Hello and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast where, where I, your host, Matthew Whitby, sit down with guests from all across the DMs Guild and surrounding space. Um, this week, I am joined by, for the third time, <laughs> Jackson Lewis. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm glad we found a way to circumvent God and yeah, no, uh, I, I, have this podcast. This- this it's it's cursed. I honest, I, I don't think anyone would would even believe uh, begin to understand the sort of technical <laughs> the, the the curses or the the deities that I have angered that have made this union between us so very <laughs> cursed. But uh, I am I'm so glad that you uh, we managed to get get it working and that you can join me. But um, how how are you doing? Been great. Um, been uh, been busy with the the Kickstarter supers and sorcery. Um. But uh, and of course the other projects as well. Um, so I mean it's just been a whirlwind of 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 DMs Guild work the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean let's 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 not let's let's dive into it. Let's let's not let's let's not mess about in case in case the god pays attention to our our hubris. Um, well, like so you mentioned, uh, was it um uh, uh, the uh, Kickstarter project? It slipped my mind immediately. Uh, and super and sorcery. Supers and sorcery. So I, I forgot the word supers. Um, but what's what's on the other products you've kind of been known for on the on the DMs Golden? Um, I I think I'm best known for Titans of the Ancient World. Uh, it's like a a compilation of seven KGU along with like rules and how to run them and like scenarios and how to run them as well. Um, and then I also am no, quite known for like player facing mechanics as well. I release a class almost every month. Uh, I have released a class almost every month since January. Wow. I'm a, and so an entire class, and I imagine with each class coming with like two to three subclasses each time over. Uh, depending on the class, I usually try to get four or five subclasses with each one. And what was it? What one example being was that you had the the owlbear not too long ago? Right. Yeah, the owlbear. Um, the I think com- it was consort owlbear scion, uh, combat medic, which is really just a redo of Ryan Linger's combat medic. Nice. So it's interesting, it's interesting because it seems like so you've got a, a nice, uh, healthy mix of both uh, classes, well, whole classes, um, and then obviously uh, sort of I guess stat block creation and creating of like creatures with uh, the kaiju and other such things. Um, I'm curious which 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 side of that project did you start with? Like, what was the first product you put up on the DMs Guild? And... So the first product I ever put up on the DMs Guild was a class called the Jaeger, which was essentially one of my players was playing a ranger and he said this sucks so i said got you i'll i'll make a better ranger so and i did i made it's intelligence based uh skill monkey slash hunter class mm-hmm. that uh gained special abilities versus monsters and stuff like that and and was that a sort of like a, a focus in like a, in a range sense what would like what sort of ranger was your friend kind of after um i believe he was using a it's the one that teleports around the horizon walker, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so he was like, I mean, I love the teleportation and stuff like that, but like, I don't do any damage. Like, I mean, and of course we had a mystic in our party, a barbarian and a, a wizard. So he was kind of out damaged a lot. Yeah. No, interesting. And then, so I take it. So what was like, I, was that enough of a drive to be like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to create a whole new class. Is this, is this is something? Yeah. It was definitely, it was definitely that I was like, because I love the concept of the Ranger, but as I look at it, it just, it was so bland. And so, and I'm not knocking Wizards of the Coast and their design team, uh, but it's just, it didn't really seem really focused. It seemed kind of hazy. So I wanted to narrow that focus down a little bit and focus on like what, what the, what a character, a player character would be like as a hunter class. And that would be like probably something in the past that made them focus on a specific creature, like a tragic event. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, oh, my, my village was like, destroyed by illithid or whatever and then combine it with years and years of like study uh training and stuff like that um and i took a lot of uh examples from pop culture such as like uh trevor belmont from from castlevania um van helsing all the and all those other kinds of hunters yeah well yeah i mean yeah van helsing is probably one of the more iconic hunters and you kind of see that within like um was it curse of strad uh ravenloft they very much like um, Van Richten, and it's kind of like yeah, you see, you see the sort of the inspirations kind of dig in, um, and I, I guess like so across all the classes you created, which one do you think kind of like I, I, I guess it's like having to choose between your children, but <laughs> is there any particular one that kind of stands out as like being most mechanically unique? 
probably the hmm, that's a good question. I would say definitely the Owlbear, just for just because of the origin of the class. It required me to invent whole new mechanics for it. Yeah, and and uh, so I guess so. I guess to kind of like w w like to not give away the whole class. Obviously, go go out check out the product and stuff. I had to play this thing, but like, what was what was the kind of like the 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 main crunch? Uh, the main crunch is just turning the player character into an owlbear. So I had to basically write a whole chunk of text. Um, Isaac uh, May actually edited it for me, and he oh, helped me like hammer that out. So um, he, it's like a whole chunk of text of basically saying like, you keep your your size stays the same, your speed stays the same, and you retain any of the racial benefits you get. But other than that, you are four-legged, quadrupedal, and you have uh, these natural attacks and a natural AC. Interesting. Uh, interest okay, fair. So it's like a kind of like merging of like the total with like it's it's interesting as well. Uh, obviously, like being a webbear class as if you could grow up and aspire to be <laughs> an owlbear. <laughs> but no, I, I, it's it's, I, it's an interesting challenge just because I take it as a case of like um, like trying to uh, in turn a monster so to take a, a sort of like a, a mechanical monster and then sort of turn that into something player facing i imagine that that is an interesting design challenge mm -hmm. and like especially with one that's not like humanoid so mm -hmm. um i know i got a lot of inspiration just from sometimes i'll do these like deep dives of like lore books i bought the uh oh gosh it's the one it's the Lord Brian. Brian Holmes is going to kill me for not remembering this. It's the one he pointed me to. Uh, it's the. It gives all the detail on like the elephants and beholders, and they actually have rules in there for making like a beholder or an elephant PC. Is this fourth edition? Like one of the. I believe it's either fourth or three point five edition. Okay, fair. Wow. In Venice, yeah. I. You know what? I've never in my life have thought about doing a beholder PC, and now I'm wishing that I could. <laughs> I feel like it would be the most. It would be chaotic. It would be. It would be crazy. Oh yeah, um, beholders are probably like one of my favorite creatures uh, to like put in either like supplements or like in adventures in terms of like just because they're such a a powerful enemy, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, if you know how to talk to one, you can get it to do whatever you want it to. Yeah, no, it's yeah they they are the the, the, the sort of like um and and in fairness like you can they are pretty universal like you can place them within a wizard tower they could be within like some dark cavern they could be in like some weird like like uh like different uh like de demi plane um they're, they're versatile thing you literally have most problems you can throw a beholder into to just make 10 times worse <laughs> <laughs> and then so i guess so to uh, to pivot from your um like class design as a whole thing um when it comes to creating monsters and in particular like creating kaiju because I think if I remember in one of our one of our previous chats that were lost to the the ether, you mentioned that a lot of the kaiju are like uh, challenge rating twenty and above. So every single one of the kaiju that's in Titans of the Ancient World is challenge rating thirty. Interesting. So because um, when I when I sat down to design them, I said, okay, when I make this book, I'm going to have some chudleys uh, comment and be like, this is weaker than a Tarask. So I'm going to be like. Okay, I'm going to make them as strong as the Tarras. So that was my balancing kind of mm -hmm. anchor of like, could this stand up to not win necessarily, nor lose really, but could this go five out of five out of five, uh, or like five out of ten matches with the Tarras? I guess I'm curious then, because like I suppose have, have you ever like done a like a combat encounter between one of your kaiju and and the Tarras? A Tarras, sorry. I have, and uh, so such is the nature of the Tarras that. Although it is immune to non-magical weapons, it doesn't have magical weapons itself. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them, a lot of the Keiju don't have that either. I think Crab Goat is the only one uh, who has <laughs> who has magical weapons. So, in the simulations I ran, he won, I think, 10 out of 10 times against the Tarrasque. Um, because I, do, I, also, I, I, do, I do love calling it running the simulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's fantastic. Like that's that's such a, a cool way of like. Um, again, it's 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 rare that those situations happen. But like to again, if if you want to find out if your monster is as strong as something, um, unless it is like unless it is designed to be the terras killer, pinning it up against something like that is is. Um, so I guess my other question is so basically one thing that I kind of always like question or like I I'm always intrigued about when people come on uh, talking about like high tier play. Um, and I might, it doesn't really get any higher than, than challenge ring 30 with some of these things. Um, 
how does that like knowing that chances are it's going to be up against like a a tier four like maybe even like level 20 party how does that kind of influence your design of like what these creatures like can and can't be uh it makes me a whole lot more excited so that because that means i can uh crank everything up to 11 on the keiju i remember uh with so there's these two keiju that are technically count as one keiju they're called quill and dada one's a giant thunderbird the other is a giant tortoise and they're meant they don't have any legendary actions they're meant to be fought exactly together and so yeah so like the whole thing of like there's this ability they have of if they were designed for a lower level party i wouldn't have put in but essentially quill flies over picks up dada flies up in the air and just hurls them at the at the party and like a meteor strike (laughs) and it does like a, a just, just from like a, the imagery alone, that is that's 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 awesome. That, I mean, that, that that that's the sort of imagery you have when you're imagining fighting like kaiju or like these these hulking like monstrosities of like, it's no awesome. And I imagine, so does that is picking up and dropping is that like that's technically like a free action for the turtle because they just fall, so there's not really anything during their turn. Or is it like a, a is it a particular action that they both take? I'm like I'm. So, um, the so Dada is actually sort of a mix between a tortoise and a um, and a armadillo. So he has a bonus action called Rollout Form, which he can just like roll up into a ball, and then nice. Quill can just fly by, use a bonus action to pick him up, and then he he is the action is called Meteor Hurl, which Quill does, which is throw Dada at them. No, would be awesome. And then I guess I guess my other thing is like, so have you heard any sort of like have you had the chance to hear like the the war stories? Of like where groups of parties have gone up against some of these some of these kaiju. Um, one of my with the guy the person who actually did the layout for me, Chris Hopper, he run he ran crab goat against his players, and he said it was absolutely amazing that it was just pure carnage. Yeah, so I imagine is it crab goat? Is it the worst of both animals? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just just as ornery as a goat, and just as uh, I guess pinchfield as a yeah. as a crab. No, interesting. And then I take it so uh, moving away from like like challenge rating thirty, did I, I? I guess that's interesting. So after having like spent some time creating these challenge rating thirty monstrosities, when you came to destroy like come do like a challenge rating three creature or something like like how did how did that sort of like tailor like or how did you adjust your design like methodology methodology to kind of adapt to these. Um, I focus when whenever I make like low challenge rating creatures, I usually try to focus on like status effects rather than damage, mm-hmm. because I know that at lower levels at least, m- the more status effects you apply on a PC, it's way more threatening and makes for a way more interesting fight than just like straight on damage. No, I must admit, so I, I, I I'm I've, I'm kicking myself for not remembering where I heard it from, but I've heard a really interesting source that with low level creatures, you c- should really be focused on giving them one really cool ability or action mm-hmm. um and that and that you know because chances are they may only get one chance to do it and if that one thing is cool then that kind of improves the whole situation and you have a little bit more flexibility as you go up the, you know the, the challenge ratings um no interesting no again it's it is is a real mix um is, is there anything that you kind of like in designing classes and in designing creatures is there anything that kind of like is there any there that any skills that overlap there or is it all very much two different sides of the brain when it comes to? Um, definitely, definitely in terms of like designing creatures, designing character options, uh, making it fun for either the DM or the player to play. Because if it's not fun, people aren't going to want to run it, whether it be like a stat block or a character. No, that's, that's fair. And then what are some of the, uh, I guess, the gauges? For, so when it comes to like an, an entire class, what are some of these sort of like gauges of fun that you kind of make sure that ticks ticks those boxes? So that's actually a really good question. I uh, I would li- I like when people ask me that because I have consulted on a couple of, of subclasses and stuff. I usually use the first version of my Jaeger versus the like the current version now. First oh, okay. version of the Jaeger, they have they even though they do the same damage, there's two different ways they do damage. The Jaeger is literally just like every time the first version is you hit with a weapon, you can expend a die to deal to deal more damage. Mm-hmm. You have like it's like Slayer die, yeah. and while that was like balanced, it wasn't fun to play because you're essentially just like rationing out uh, like these these limited number of die. Mm-hmm. So you have to make these decisions on like I want a big hit, but oh man, I'm not need these later. Um, whereas for the current version of Jaeger, it's just like you point at somebody, place like a focus mark essentially on them, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then you like go to town on them and you deal extra damage on any any marked creature. So it's 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 more like a choosing who you singling out who you're hunting rather than a resource management in the game of like being right. like okay interesting and i imagine it's kind of more thematic in the sense that obviously when you're a hunter you kind of do single out a creature to be like well i'm, I'm killing that thing right exactly yeah <laughs> and i you meant as well so you the combat medic um so that was a, a essentially taking someone else's class and sort of like i guess revamping it do you, do you mind telling us like a little bit about that Sure. So um, Ryan is a is a good friend of mine, and I am, a, uh, of course, a big fan of all his products. And I remember asking in the Discord a couple of months ago, like, hey, does anybody have, like, a good combat medic class? Because, like, I was thinking of making one, but I don't want to step on any toes um, because one of my players was asking for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, both Ryan and Ryan Langer and Brian Holmes were like, hey, this is, like, a really cool uh, thing that I made. Uh, Brian made like the hospitaler, which is like a fighter archetype. And then Ryan made the combat medic. And I saw the combat medic and I was like, I love the lore and the fluff behind this. And I love the skeleton of the class. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could not do a better job, but uh, I can make you, this like. You could take it in a different direction. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's a better way to say it. Yeah. Um, so I messaged him and I was like, Hey, how upset would you be if I made my own combat medic class? Mm-hmm. And he was like not excited at all. He was like, "That's literally the first thing I ever made on the guild." Yeah. Um, no, and, 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 and I suppose it's the case of like again, it's kind of like you're you're taking it as inspiration, and in itself, it becomes like a new product rather than you know just sort of um, being a complete sort of like redo or. Uh, and and so I'm curious then. So I, sorry, I, I kind of cut you off, but I imagine what are some of the things that you kind of kept and changed. So one of the first level abilities on Ryan's class was a. It was essentially like whenever you're wielding like a light one-handed weapon, you do like an um, extra amount of damage, mm-hmm. um, equal to like your wisdom modifier. And I was like, that's cool, but like, because it it evokes the image of like the scalpel or like you know the bone saw or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that's cool, but I would like to change that so it scales better. So I did like a one d six per every five levels in the class. Okay, nice, yeah. I mean, people like rolling d6s. You just, you just was it talk to the rogues or the wizards, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, and and then and then from there was so yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one because it's I imagine you, you want to balance the idea that these are combat professionals, but they are also medics in some way. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I, and I, uh, a couple of design choices that varied is that Ryan's classes had the subclasses were third classes or third casters. I mean. Um, and I just wanted to remove magic altogether, except for like very extremely specific subclass circumstances. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't have any spell casting. Um, and I think there is like a pseudo magical class in the speaker class and the speaker uh, philosophy, um, one of the subclasses where you can, uh, you essentially can like cast a cantrip as a bonus action a certain number of times per long rest. But that's like the most magic that's in the class. Interesting. And then, so how did you incorporate the, the medic side then or like the healing side? So, uh, I kind of, kind of based it off the rogue of like scaling or whatever, but uh, you get like a a certain number of d fours per level. So like d fours, yeah. So <laughs> like uh, at second level you get two d four, third level three d four, whatever, mm-hmm. and you can run up bonus action uh, because I felt like it would need to be faster than an action mm-hmm. uh, since you are like a combat medic and you're used to doing things really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have to have a you're essentially using like a healer's kit as sort of like a pseudo arcane focus because it's like okay. you run up have the healer's kit slap them, make them, you know, healthy again, and then send yeah. them on their way. You, you run over, you scoop their organs back in, and then right. <laughs> put the band-aid over the top, and you're like, there you go, that's, you're good for a few more hours. Right, right. <laughs> no, interesting. No, it, 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 it's kind of fascinating to sort of, like, I guess hear that sort of, like, um, I was going to say post-mortem, which sounds very more relevant seeing as we're talking about combat medic. <laughs> but the 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 and and how how sort of you took the inspiration of the class and how you took the like ran with it really um and I guess my kind of next question then is like so so your creative process as a whole like where do you get some of your ideas from and you mentioned how that you sometimes take inspiration from um sort of like uh as I say pop fiction yeah pop fiction I was about to say I was about to say cult fiction uh, <laughs> but I meant like uh, what's what's the um Awesome. Either way, I'm rambling. But yeah, no, so kind of, what's, your, what's your process? Talk me through. So whenever creating a monster, I usually, I usually sit down and think, what 
is like thematic for this monster. Well, first, of course, I decide what, what kind of monster I'm creating. And I go, what is thematic for this monster? What type is this monster? And how does that play into the monster's identity? So um, I made a, I made in Elite Monsters, a, a product with Earth Jordan and uh, Robin that I released. Uh, there's a, the, a thing called a Necro Angelus, which is essentially just like a Shadowfell spirit that disguises itself as a solar Mm. Um, in order to like lull people into false insecurity before they like strike. And so I was like, it would probably be kind of like pseudo divine magic it uses mm -hmm. in addition to having like all the abilities of a solar because it, it needs to, it it's essentially is a solar. It's, it's sort of like biological mimicry on a, on a, um, a planar level. Yeah. The soul. Shadow, well, I mean, Shadowfell, I get it. it it's, it, it's it's spooky place right. <laughs> as, as like a no i must it wasn't i think one of the most interesting like so in in almost tangential um learning about the shadowfell and the feywild because i've been doing some feywild stuff recently um it, it's it's weird to find, imagine that with so the material plane um shadowfell and the feywild they all exist they overlap each other Mm -hmm. So essentially, the, and it's just the fact that was it when when whoever created the you know the, the material plane or the world as a whole, they were like, let's take all the bright things and pop them in the Feywild. Let's take all the slightly dark thing and just make this whole other shadow realm, um, which is a interesting interesting lore tidbit. And and you were just like, yeah, no, then there would probably be some some angels or some creatures who mimic angels because pe things are bad enough in the shadow fellas <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly um and it was it was sort of like a biological inspiration because there's like a um some sort of plant this is, i believe was like my main inspiration for this that essentially disguises itself as like a beautiful flower then when mm. bees or whatever come and try to pollinate it literally just swallows them up and eats them oh like a sort of like extension of like the venus flytrap yeah that. exactly well in fact that's weird so was it just last week i was chatting with um was it zeke zeke, zeke gonzalez and he, being the creator of the, the scientific uh, products, he very much takes inspiration from like, you know, animals or creatures in real life that have these weird abilities. So no, it's awesome that you would like, I want to turn this plant into a, into a creature in some sense. Um, and then I take, so with, with early monsters, what, what, was, what were some of the other things that you kind of ran with? So um, in terms of monsters, I, I essentially sit down and I go, is this a thing that exists in like an ecosystem? Is this a intelligent thing? And exactly how intelligent and how much agency does it have in its life? And then I make those decisions and that kind of focuses its stats, its abilities, and its um, any kind of actions or attacks it has. Interesting. And then, uh, so I imagine, so in the few times that I've created stat blocks, I, nine times out of 10, it does feel like a, um, I guess I'd say like a um, uh, a Frankenstein monster sort of thing, <laughs> where, where basically I'm I'm creating new abilities by like, taking like chunks of other abilities and sort of like shimming it across. Um, does that sound vaguely familiar, or it, 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 do you have like an entirely different process? I mean, that's if I'm making something that's like a variant on a um, on a creature, or something that's just essentially. So a good example is like Iowa the Corpulence, which is a, one of the KG and Titans the Angel World. Um, I took the liches or demi liches turn immunity and gave it to him because it's like essentially just like such a huge creature that a tiny little cleric holding up a um, a holy symbol isn't going to scare him much. Yeah. So I was like, that makes sense. And then because he is just a or they or it's just like a, essentially just a mound of corpses, um, it they probably wouldn't have that much agency. Uh, like they're essentially slaves to their own instincts. Mm -hmm. So. Um, they, I gave him intelligence six, wisdom fourteen, and then, of course, I realized they're not going to be more inclined to pick up like a weapon and fight with it. Yeah. So I gave them like a slam attack, and then I gave them this thing called withering gaze, which just makes they like whatever they look at, they can use an action to just like drain the vitality of it. Wow. I was gonna say because I so even so when you when I, I must admit when I when I think of like um was it uh chandering like 30 creatures and stuff i think like hearing that this creature has like a wisdom of 14 i'm like that feels that again was it the, there's so many spells that like are like wisdom saving throws it's it's poly like polymorph might be a wisdom saving throw as well or like spell, spells spells of that ilk mm -hmm. um was it just a case of like why i mean you can do it for a little bit but once once the spell wears off you're still dealing with this 
collection of corpses. It's that, um, that because, you know, polymorph only has like a one hour limit, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that I believe Iowa has a proficiency in wisdom saving throws. So even though they have a plus two to wisdom, they have a plus 11 to wisdom saving throws. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. I, that, you know, that, that makes more sense. I thought I forgot about the saving throws and, and I imagine some of these creatures have like, um, like legendary resistances or right. they have these like what's the thing where they're just like spells just have disadvantage against them and so oh, like, magic resistance yeah magic resistance yeah and in fact that that is like something you're just supposed to trained that as you look across some of the higher uh challenge rate monsters you do notice that, that that ability creeps in a little bit more which is essentially just like the anti the anti polymorph or the anti <laughs> like one spell one spell and done <laughs> But then, so I, I, so I guess to turn the question then to the classes you make then, what, so you mentioned that a lot of the inspiration kind of comes from like your own tables, of like players in your table saying, I kind of want to do this. Um, is there any other areas that the inspiration for like class comes from? Um, I don't believe that, I don't believe, I believe in terms of class features, like player facing features, either I'll sit down and be like, I've got a really good idea for a, class, a subclass. Um, or I'll see a niche that needs to be filled yeah. in the subclasses. Um, but other than that, I believe I, I do mostly rely on my, not rely, but uh, take cues from my players on like what is popular, what would need to be like, uh, what needs to be like statted up for them in order to enjoy a D and D session. Yeah. And so I imagine uh, as, as do you do run like a fairly heavy homebrew game. Oh, completely homebrewed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, no, yeah, no. It, it makes sense. No, it, it, I guess it is, you know, to to, to allow for that, you know, the throw things at the table, kind of see, see what sticks. Um, mm -hmm. And it sounds like you've got like quite a good sort of player group that they're quite open to sort of, you know, be. Uh, as I say, the uh, yeah. Well, I guess be, be your um, your uh, gerbils or you know your your experiments. <laughs> Lab rats, yeah. <laughs> yeah, lab rats. That's the word I was thinking for. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say you know crash test dummies, but that felt a little bit too. So I was like, you know, go for the go for the animals. <laughs> so, so I guess okay. So to to dig into your process a little bit further, then, um, is there any particular part across anything that is just like hands down your favorite part? Definitely the crunch of any kind of mechanics like stat blocks. Uh, like making the actual actions and the attacks and features and traits. Um, and then the mechanics uh, and crunch of like a new class. That is my favorite part. It's almost like cracking open a fresh pack of like, of like pencils or whatever, you know, yeah. it's, it's just like, it's so good of like starting a new document and being like, what do I, what do I want the core identity, core mechanical identity of this class to be? And then like making it. So I, I guess that's for, for those listening then as like a, like when it comes to like creatures and what is like, what are some of the things you always, always kind of like, like in in getting that mechanical crunch? What are some things that you've helped like notice again and again that kind of just always work? Always work uh, in in what sense? Well, I guess always just like always like give give that sort of like or just like you 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 write something or just that was always just like yeah that, like there's is there any sort of trends to like what? Um, yeah. I do know that the <laughs> thanks to Titans of the Ancient World, the sillier the monster, the better. Um really? Yeah, so like I know that people have greatly enjoyed um facing Crab Goat. I know people have greatly enjoyed I wrote uh there's a an archfey I made in um in Elite Monsters called the Eldest Gruff, which is essentially just the oldest of the Billy Goats Gruff, but an archfey. <laughs> <laughs> and so like people love like a good like it's funny monster to put in, but they also love something that, so and a lot of times in turn in combat in five E uh, it usually goes down to like a sort of war of attrition between health points. So you're not encouraged to use a lot of other tactics when you fight. So what I do with my monsters is I put in features and traits and stuff that force them to think outside the box or cut off those avenues in order to encourage creativity within the players. So, and, and, and so, and so, uh, so you kind of mentioned before the idea of like creatures that give uh, debuffs or like you know exhaustion or those sort of effects. Um, is there any any other ones you kind of want to highlight? Uh, so, not one that I made, but the first printing of Mythic uh, Monsters by Brian and Steve and Eleanor. Mm -hmm. The first version of Zariel could, has a regeneration trait, which she regenerates a certain amount of hit points every round as long as she doesn't take radiant damage. 
Interesting. But she's immune to radiant damage. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. So it's yeah. I, are there any things that like any spells anything that, that removes immunity? Or don't believe so. So the, essentially, Zarya was unkillable, and of yeah. course, they were. It, it was a mistake. They weren't. It was. They didn't mean to do that. But I ran her against my epic level <laughs> people, and I was like, I was like reading the trade out to him. I was like, yeah, it says here that she regains like forty. I think I think forty hit points. Um, whenever uh, when at the end of her turn, as long as she doesn't take radiant damage, and they're like, but we just tried to like smite her, and she's immune to radiant damage. I was like, yeah, and they're like, so what are we supposed to do? And I was like, I don't know. Y'all better figure it out though. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude, time to take it. She's, yeah. she's gonna kill. <laughs> oh. so, I, they ended up, uh, I believe, plane shifting her away. I mean, you know, that, like a solution in, in the loosest sense of terms is like that's a that's a future problem. No, yeah. I, mean, I, I guess it, it, just in this conversation, I guess we've kind of found like there there should be spells or means for players to temporarily remove immunities and resistances, uh, or like they, uh, if 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 they do exist, they should be probably like more more common. I don't know why that's like a. Like, it feels like there, there definitely could be almost like a subclass where it's just like a class dedicated to like finding vulnerabilities. That's another thing as well. It's like I guess like um, damage vulnerabilities is an element that I don't know I see used enough. I think only two creatures that I know of in the entire like Wizard of the Coast 5e bestiary even have vulnerability. I think skeletons have vulnerability to bludgeoning damage, and then sh any shadow spirit, uh, any of the shadow spirits have vulnerability to radiant damage. Yeah. I came across a creature the other day that was vulnerable to something, but again, it, it, sl it slipped my mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I, I guess, like, especially like some some situations, it can sort of like in in allow for some creativity. Or like, for for example, one creature that I came across recently, the Froghemoth. Um, while uh, while the Froghemoth is um, resistant to, uh, I think, like lightning damage, it has a, a like it has a thing where if you hit it with lightning damage, it becomes slow. Um, it can't use as many attacks. It's like literally, like if you hit this this thing, it, it it's kind of like a, a changes the fight. Um, and I love things like that. That's um that's true for golems too. I remember uh, flesh golems at least have a thing called fire version, which they have. Yes, they're like of course Frankenstein's essentially, so they're mm -hmm. afraid of fire. So it like gives them all kinds of debuffs. Yeah, no, I I, I, I those are cool traits, especially because nine times out of ten they can be quite sort of thematic. Um, I don't know what theme they're going with the Froghemoth, but I think because again, <laughs> generally I like shooting frogs. Uh, it probably doesn't doesn't do them that well. Um, also, they've got the interesting thing of like, I, I, while it does like kind of have the stat lock out. Obviously, the Froghemoth has the ability to eat creatures. I do love the fact that they have the clause where if you're inside a Froghemoth and if you deal enough damage, it naturally just regurgitates you. Right, um, and I mean that's true. I think for any creature that can swallow you, like the Tarrasque as well. Interesting, really. So if you deal enough damage, it will spit, spit you back out. Uh -huh. That's that's fair. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, I guess you know, I, they they're smart enough to know that they sh probably shouldn't keep whatever's causing them pain in in their mouth for so long. <laughs> no, no, awesome. No, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I. There's so much like there's so much interesting stuff within like certain stat locks that I feel like don't always get the the, the attention that you eventually discover and you're like this this could be applied in, in so many different areas. Like I would uh, yeah, I would love to see more creatures with you know weaknesses or you know th that encourage that sort of player creativity to kind of, kind of like if if the players don't have any means to cast spells but the druid is there like saying I can maybe start a storm that that's something as a DM where I'd be like, yeah you start a storm and who knows lightning strikes the frog. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 cool stuff like that that kind of you know gets the whole table going. It's interesting um, you mentioned the frog hemoth and the the like the specific damage is doing uh, something special to them because uh, to tease a little uh, keiju from the upcoming super and sorcery, uh, there's called Karyu, the uh, terror from beyond the stars. It's a giant golden serpentine dragon uh, who is an energy vampire that like feeds on energy. <laughs> so. It's immune to lightning damage, but whenever it would take lightning damage, it gains temporary hit points equal to half the damage that would that would have happened. So yeah, it, it's a sort of like active like again, you really don't want to be hitting this with, with lightning damage. Exactly, and it also has a reaction that anytime it takes fire, acid, cold, or thunder damage, it transforms that damage into lightning damage. Interesting. Fair. Okay. So yeah. So so it's it's again it's, it's thematic. So actually, was it funny enough? That's a good good point. Bringing up um, secrets and sorceries. Um, very again, as of date, uh, I, I think this is coming out 
uh, what is it? It is. Uh, this will be coming out on the twentieth. So it is probably. It's probably safe to say, like maybe close to like four hundred percent funded. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think we only have actually one more stretch goal to smash through before wow. we're just like out of ideas. Is 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 the plan? Like it to, again, congratulations! It's 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 amazing to sort of see the the sort of like the 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 number of kickstarters kind of popping off at the moment. It's it's good. No, I, I'm I'm excited to see this kind of new direction of like DM skilled creators and other sort of like looking looking outside the. Again, I'm probably gonna have to rebrand the podcast soon. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's no, it's really it's really good. Um and and so yeah, what, what's what's your involvement with the project aside from making some kaiju? Uh, I do. I so I've made the new class called the Archon. Um, there's these things called Archway Arc Waves that echo through the universe to give people their powers in the setting. And uh, bear with me one moment. I'm sorry. All right. no, that's Sorry about that. That was the Census Bureau. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, it's that time of the year again, right? Um, so, what was I talking about? Uh, so we were talking about uh, what you were doing for supers and sorceries. Okay, so um, so supers and sorceries and making the Archon class. Uh, there's things called arc waves that kind of echo through the universe and power people. Um, the Archon is essentially someone who's been so infused with arc waves that they generate them naturally. So a core identity of their class is they can essentially reach out and awaken the arc waves in someone else and empower them with additional powers. So like a, that's like a, a buff class in, 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 in one way or another. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, awesome. No, yeah. And uh, anything else that you kind of tackle with with that? So one of, I've made a fair number of organizations uh, for the Gazetteer, the Gazetteer. And um, my favorite is of course the court of empty night, which essentially as superheroes began to have a bigger presence on Beacon and Gustela as a whole, um, all the things that go bump in the night were like, you know what, this sucks. We're getting the ever-loving shit kicked out of us all every night. So we need to pull our forces together and, you know, take back the night, essentially. Um, uh, so like, that, a, a, like an evil Justice League. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and so it's, it's led by, like, a vampire, a werewolf, and a demon. There's a lot of heads. No, that's like my mind. It's weird that my mind would go to. Oh, that, that sounds like a cute date. <laughs> I don't know if we should have gone there in terms of the villains of of, of this new world. Um, no, awesome. No, awesome. Again, it, it, and it, I imagine. So once you hit these last sort of set of stretch goals, is the plan to like make more, or is it? Um, I believe that we're opening up the. We're well, not opening up the universe, but like we're planning on like down the road releasing like additional products as well so we have this campaign setting book out um i believe there's been talks of a kind of rogues galley-esque kind of um uh bestiary to come out and then uh, additional classes and subclasses as they come wow no, no it's awesome again I, I only i again i only hope you hit your last the stretch goal and continue to hit any anyone's sort of beyond that i mean it's all thanks it's all thanks to adam and cam i mean they're Adam, so it's it's like it's like they're they're perfect compliments to each other. Adam mm -hmm. is so good at scheduling things, organizing things, making sure everything runs smoothly. Um, in terms, and Cam is so good at creating stuff and creating the world around us. I mean, he did almost all the world building for uh, Beacon from by himself, and then we just mm -hmm. tacked on and said, "Hey, there's a bunch of other things that happened here." Yeah. Um, they are probably the probably one of the best 
uh, project leads I've had on a, on a project so far. No, it's incredible, especially with it. So I had the, had the, had the chance to speak to Adam, uh, like I think before or just, 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 yeah, just before everything kind of kicked off. And it's interesting hearing about how him and him and Cam kind of, kind of work that sort of like dual leadership dynamic, which is, which is rare, I, but I think it's good. It's kind of healthy, like to not have all the stress on one person and to sort of like, you know, sort of like, sh sh uh, again, uh, was it Frodo and Sam? Sh share the load. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, no, awesome. Um, and then I guess to, to kind of pivot around back to an earlier point, uh, again, back to like you and your creative process then, um, are there any parts of a project that is your, like, your least favorite? Definitely any fluff writing. Um, ah, okay. I don't like, I mean, I can see, I believe I've, we spoke about this last time, um, the podcast that, that God struck down um, <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, I'm, a, I'm a writer actually, um, uh, an author of published certain number of short stories, writing a novel right now. Um, it's just when I, when I do game stuff, uh, it just that disconnect hits and I can only do mechanics and I'm just like stuttering along like a toddler when it comes to fluff writing. If it, I, 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 that's completely understandable though, because like, again, it is like, it's a whole different like mindset when it comes to like games and mechanics, because even if you are writing fluff, it kind of needs to support the mechanical crunch in a way, you know, or like, you know, to, to build off that theme, you've kind of poured into the mechanics or, you know, the, the, the monsters. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I must admit, I'm, I'm a big old, big old fluff writer. Um, I could, I could write nothing but fluff. Um, which again, I don't think is is it that much of a desirable product. I don't know. <laughs> just, people people like a little bit of crunch every now and then. Um, but well, I mean, if we're if we are allowed, if I'm allowed to plug another product that we both are on. Oh, oh please do. Your um your fluff writing on across the plains for the Feywild. Yeah, is I, phenomenal. You know, what? I must admit. I, so here's the thing. I was talking about I'm writing a lot of fluff at the moment. I I'm I. Honestly, I completely forgot that you're the project lead on that project. <laughs> I was I was too much in like podcast host mode that I could yeah yeah no yeah so that's that's what I'm yeah if this is the public announcement for it yeah I'm I'm doing that's all the Feywild fluff that I'm I'm writing on at the moment um yeah and I think for me personally any opportunity I get to like um write like in the voice of a character. Um, like I think one of my favorite things I've ever done in the past was um, for the academy, um, which was like a, a sort of like wizard school product. Um, and I, I just like I, I got a chance to make a bunch of interesting NPCs, um, and I just filled that book with like quotes of like you know what different NPCs think about buildings or what NPCs think about each other. Um, but what I'm loving about this Feywild project, you know, um, across across the, the plains. Um, is that I'm, I'm writing like little fey folklore. Um, yes. Oh my gosh, those are so good. I'm. Thank you. I, oh shucks. I, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm blushing. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's, it's just it's just really cool to try and think think. It, it's difficult because every time I come up against the sort of the one of like fey don't really think like we do. It's 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 so like to us it's so nonsensical. So how do you? How do you balance that between like okay, well this again this, this doesn't make sense, but to them it does. This is like it's 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 a weird line to try and balance. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I I wrote the the concert class was essentially just like, hey, you fell in love with a fae and now you smooch occasionally and have magic. Um, so uh, writing that in a turn in a way that because it's not a relationship with a fae is not going to be at any way comparable to a relationship with a normal person because they're just so alien in their mindset. Or uh, if you if we take inspiration from like Eberron's Fae, mm -hmm. they are literally stories, like embodiments of stories and folklore. So they they cannot act. They can't change. Uh, they're the one leopard that can't change their spots. Essentially, I think yeah. I guess it's hard to like get across about how like how whimsical and like temperamental they are. The fact that they can be you know trying to kill you one minute and then next minute. Do you want to like play some riddles or like do a play a game? Like I've got I've got Cluedo in my back. <laughs> There's a I read a really good write up of an Archfey warlock patron of how to role play it, and it's like uh, one moment the Fey will be like happily eating breakfast with you, the next moment they'll be strangling you to death because you chewed in a way that annoyed them. Yeah, and then bring you back to life because they missed you. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, I, I it's it's it's. It's 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 why well, it's alienate or alien because it is that's that's that's, that's the nature of things. So yeah, I think I think 
just having this conversation, it makes me think like, I think I do need to go back and make a few things a little bit weirder. <laughs> I think we really need, need to get Faye with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, so over time, like, have you found like your ability to write fluff? Has, has that got easier at all? I so I've discovered a new tool on Google Docs called voice to text or if it's like transcribing or whatever and I'm a much better orator than I am like fluff writer so mm -hmm. I'll just turn that on and I'll just talk and I'll and I sooner like in a minute I'll have like three paragraphs of like and, really good solid and then you I take it just uh, is it is it quite good or do you have to do like a little bit of cleanup I do have a little bit of cleanup because I'm not the bet I'm not the clearest speaker so sometimes I'll say like I don't know uh, I'll say I remember one time I said so <laughs> I pronounce elevator, elevator mm -hmm. differently than other people do. I pronounce it elevator. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was trying to say elevator and I said it and it just typed out alligator. <laughs> I was uh, like, they're definitely not riding an alligator upstairs. If they wild, they might. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love the idea of literally using that to write a section about the Feywild, but then any like mistakes you just leave in. That's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's that's yeah, perfect. Literally, yeah, no, I'm so glad. <laughs> so, um, so looking across everything as a whole, then, um, are there any sort of particular lessons that you kind of wish you'd learned earlier, like in your the Inskilled career? Um, I spoke on it before, but I don't think I did the best job of like orating it very well. Um, is when I first joined the Discord, I was in the company of people who I had greatly looked up to um, without knowing it. Like they were just like names on like products. So I think I believe talk about Steve Fiddler, who did the Variant Fighter, the Prism, um, and Gregerson. Uh, found this out the other day. My very first purchase on DMs Guild was was a uh, compendium of magic items by Anne. Didn't really realize that. <laughs> It's like it's always weird when when people get kind of known for like like the Montalute series or like you know whatever like series. It's it's kind of weird to see like the, the their first products or their first sort of phrase that kind of slips through cracks. Like you did that, and it's like yeah. oh yeah no, no yeah that's the first thing I kind of threw up there. And um, the project that we worked on before Curse Classes even cursier, um, that was my first foray into collaboration with these artists, um, and so. Uh, I believe, you know, I was kind of intimidating because of course I've, I've, I had bought the, I had to go because, and then the battles belts and brawls, mm -hmm. um, by the maze. And so, uh, and then of course, um, there was a product that you made that I didn't even connect the dots until after the, the course classes had released. I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, I have it in my, in my well, folder and I'm like, I'm, I'm flattered again at this, at this point, like, again, I, there's, there's far too many. <laughs> like at this point, like I'm, I'm coming, I'm stumbling across products that like, I didn't even know I collaborated on. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah. No, wow. That, that happened so long ago. Um, and that's kind of the nature of like, once you start getting involved in collapse, the, the, the sort of like timeline of some of these products. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, but no, but no, no, I just, I kind of, kind of understand your sentiment of like, it's, it's it's weird in like a, a like the microcosm of the DMs guild that like people just naturally seem like like superstars in mm -hmm. like even even though you know they're they're, they're pretty much, they're, they're identical to us you know everyone's everyone's human or <laughs> some may be fey I think some people probably are fey in their work ethic but that's you know <laughs> right no no awesome and and then I take it so has that has that kind of changed over time like so what was what was the kind of the lesson there. So the lesson was just like treat people like they're people instead of like superstars. Uh, I was reminded of a uh, episode of Parks and Rec where Leslie is freaking out over. She was like, oh, this is he's like the secretary of affairs and like she's like the d director of the parks or whatever. And then the guy's like, you know, these people don't need to be your idols. They could be your coworkers. Like they, they are essentially your coworkers. And um, so like I, I internalizing that and being like they're humans like i am and most of them didn't even realize most of them are almost the same age as me i really i figured out a couple a couple weeks ago that we're actually the same age uh you seemed much more studied than i, than I. yeah I, I think it's it's probably just the british accent again it, it's allowed me to get That's it's fair. opened a few doors yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you grow you grow a beard you talk vaguely vaguely um you know um <laughs> vaguely british and then yeah yeah i also do this thing um I was going to mention this the last time, but uh, the first couple minutes of the podcast that we tried to record that God himself struck down, uh, 
I had to physically stop myself from mirroring your accent, which is something I do all the time with people. Really? Yeah. I, so I mean, but like I said, if you want to get out, but I, I, I would be, I, if, if you get like, not to put you on the spot, but like, if you want to let out now, by all means. I, I, I don't think I could do it now. Cause it's, it's literally, I will, cause I used to be a phone operator and I used to do this to people and I used to get in so much trouble for it. They'll be like, <laughs> it'll be like Australian people be like, good eye mate. Uh, calling in and need to check on my, my package. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, <clears throat> all right. I've heard that more commonly than I thought I would have. I think it's like, again, it is like that, like a mimic trait that some people just, just have. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would, I would say so. Yeah. And I think it hasn't got, it hasn't got you in much trouble otherwise. Right. Exactly. Most people are flattered by it. No, no. Well, yeah, no, I, I am too. <laughs> so the, um, I guess uh, to sort of um, round off the, 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 the sort of, I guess the, the, the podcast and, and looking to the future as a whole. Um, are there any sort of like dream projects that you kind of have like off, off in the distance? So um, of course I have a Titan to the ancient world sequel coming up eventually. Mm -hmm. Um I am my. I'm actually working on one of my dream projects now. It's a uh, print-on-demand book for DTRPG. Uh, mm -hmm. It's called Primal. It's a big book of about 50 or 60 stat blocks for dinosaurs, prehistoric beasts, uh, any any sort of like prehistoric animal. Yeah, that's and it's that's, that's awesome. Yeah. No, awesome. And, and I take it. Are you by any chance working on maybe things on the higher end of the challenge rating scale? <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, part of what sparked this book is I looked through, I believe, Tomb of Annihilation, the one they have dinosaurs in, yep. and I, I saw it and I was like, T-Rexes are only challenge rating 9? I was like, that can't be right. So I made, the T-Rex in my book is, I think, is challenge rating 15, because yeah. he's just, he's yeah. a big boy and he's a big threat. Yeah. In fact, again, I, I think that's the case of like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you do just want to fight like, you know, a big ass T-Rex. <laughs> that's like, you know, a, a, a big sort of threat. Um, and I take it, is it the case where like, these are all um, very true to their, like, I was about to say true to their law, but I guess true to their <laughs> um, historical accuracies, or is this uh, like... Yeah, so I am a huge, huge paleontology nut. Um, if I didn't major in political science, I would have been a paleontologist. Okay. So I <laughs> do a ton of research... <laughs> I'd say it's bad that my my, my go-to was oh, so you're big in dinosaur law then. <laughs> <laughs> I think just calling things law, it's just like, yeah, I think the idea of like, I, I, it was on the internet somewhere, but like, if you call like the instructions on the pack of like a pack of ramen, the law, the ramen law, it gets way more fancier and exotic. Um, right. you know, it's, it sounds like a really interesting project. Um, and then is there like a, a potential like a uh, release date or is it? So we're hoping to have everything ready for layout by October. Okay, so to near, near future, so just just go sort of around the corner. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I guess that kind of pivots nicely into it because you've spoken about supers and sorceries, and obviously, um, uh, this this dinosaur product as well. Um, is there anything else that you're currently working on? Uh, of course, across the plains uh, as well. I guess a sort of like small zine, uh, mid sign zine for uh for each of the underrepresented plains in Forgotten Realms. Um, it's paying, paying special attention to, I believe our next one is going to be Mechanus, which I know you're a big fan of. I am a big, I, I was looking, I did an organization of like all my, um, like all my, uh, my Google Drive the other day. And I realized I have, I have like at least two uh, Modron related like drafts <laughs> in, in, in varying states of completion. I'm just like one day, one day I'm going to release that Modron adventure. Um, <laughs> this, but, but yeah, no, I, I'm very hyped for Mechanus. It's, it's, I, it's law and order. You got like everything's balanced. Everything has its place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, awesome. Um, and then I guess so. I, I guess in working across on all these these sort of interesting pro uh, projects, you've had the chance to kind of work with with like a, a huge selection of, of amazing DMs, good creators, and, and otherwise. Um, is there anyone in particular who like inspires you? Who you kind of want to shout out? So uh, top three in my my mind are of course. Lydia Vanoy, they are an amazingly dedicated uh, worker. I think I'm a part of three different projects of them right now, um, and uh, they've helped. They've they've helped me a lot in terms of like being a new creator on the DMs Guild and like showing me the ropes. Um, and Eleanor Jordan, of course, she is a absolute powerhouse of ideas. She has like over a hundred releases on the DMs Guild. And uh, lastly, is Anne Gregerson, just because of 
how prolific Anne is and how successful Anne is. And mm -hmm. it, a lot of times when you see like popular creators and you look at their stuff, um, you're like, oh, this is this is okay. This is this is okay. Like this is like I can see why this is popular. But like you look at Anne's stuff and it's like this is a this is like really good. I can I'm I'm surprised it is not more popular than it is. Mm -hmm. It's 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 like I get with 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 I guess with everyone you mentioned again it's, it's the idea that all all three of those amazing creators they they have such a powerful back like not backlog catalog there you go that's that's a, like the, their collection of products and you can you can you can see that they're 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 like they're almost building like brands or just like they're just just they're they're just ever present in the nice way <laughs> just you know you, you can see like you know and and was it in Anne in particular you know working on both layout. And also, like creating, it's again. There's there's no end to to everyone's kind of talents there. They they just sort of like if they can do it, they do it, and it's out there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and of course, like uh, especially Lydia has a very good. I don't know what I don't know what the word for it is. Like a sixth sense of like what's popular. Mm -hmm. So when they released uh, Adventures Domestic Handbook, yeah, it just skyrocketed it because everybody. I mean, it's a niche that hasn't been filled in DMs Guild before. A sort of like a uh, way to like homestead instead of like go out and venture. So yeah, um, and just like it was more time, yeah, as I say, more time because it, it felt like it was starting to to gravitate towards a lot of those conversations of like, um, like uh, I guess like non non orphan adventurous. You know, it was it was just the idea of like you know there's 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 so many of those out there, um, and being able to sort of facilitate those sort of like you know. Experiences that they should should be you know they should be there on the D and D table. There should be like I think uh, was it I, for Adventure League once uh, I played I played a, a wizard dad who was just you know out this was that was their job and you know they they I they, they did die the same session that I introduced them but I blame that on the uh, murder house rather than anything that I did right <laughs> but but. But it was, you know, I yeah, I I I think that's one thing I always try and do is, is I try and create characters to kind of fit a niche, um, and especially when it comes to like seeing what these fantastic creators are doing, it's it's just yeah, it's 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 what everyone kind of wants or needs, or you know, I, there's there's use for it in nearly every table. Exactly. Oh yeah, I hardly agree. Yeah. No, lovely. Um, well, I think. I was gonna say, uh, honestly, Jackson, I, I think we've done it. I, I, I like there's been no technical difficulties like at all through this thing. Uh, we've we, we've done it. We, I don't know. I don't know how. Um, I don't know what we've done. Um, but we 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 have made it to the end of the podcast. Um, I guess like some of my, my last sort of final questions then are like, um, if people are kind of curious about hearing about your work, what are some of the best ways that they can sort of staying stay up to date? So. Um... Twitter is the best place to stay up to date on my work. Uh, Honeybadger3495. That's me. Follow me. I'm trying to break 300 followers by the end of the year. Ooh, uh, I, yeah, I think you're here. Um, I'm curious. So uh, you're just a big fan of Honey Badgers? So, yeah. I My nickname in wrestling uh, when I wrestled in uh, middle school and high school was the Honey Badger because I was not as big as the people in 220 weight class, but I was tenacious and I was ready oh. to like grab them. There's, there's, there's a, oh, was it? There's a, I, I think you know the video. Like, was it the Honey Badger? Don't give a fuck. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That, that, honestly, that that video made me fall in love with Honey Badgers as well. They're just like they, 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 they're ferocious. They're, right. I mean, that's like a good, a good nickname to get in any sort of sense. <laughs> no. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. That there'll be a link to uh, the collection of your products on DMs Guild that I highly recommend everyone listening go and checks out, as well as uh, uh, your Twitter handle in case they want that. Um, I've been Matthew Whitby. Um, you can find me at, at Whitby Writes. Um, I think I've got something maybe coming out soon. Um, I guess we'll find out. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, that's how that's how I'm doing at the moment. It's, 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 I'm in that stage of my life. Um, yeah. Um, my very last question then for you, um, Jackson, is is how how do we end a podcast? Well, um, I usually end a podcast by encouraging people to go buy Curse Classes even Cursier, try to get the gold. That's, and to buy Hamlet of Affliction, a very good D and D five E adventure. I, I did that. Yeah, no, yeah. You know, I, I, there'll be there'll be links in the bottom. So go, go you can. Yeah, honestly, Curse Classes even Cursier was 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 a delightful product to work with you on. Um, it, I, yeah, I, I I was I was privileged that I was allowed back a second time. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, they just you know maybe it's you know it's a case of they can keep me out or you know once you once you're inside you're in. Um, but no, that, that, a lot of really really cool classes um, and you know new new really cool subclasses with that. Um, I, I guess I, I guess we'll see if future holds for like a even even Curse Um But the the Hamlet of uh, was afflicted and the sort of like Adventure Time they did for that was like. A lot of words. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can. I can. Uh, I, I, I underestimate or understate. There's a lot. There's a lot in that. Like for like a a, um, uh, a time product, I, I went. I went. I went hard. Um, so yeah, I would appreciate a few more sales. I'm gonna put that one out there. <laughs> I'm gonna wear my heart on my sleeve. That's how I feel. <laughs> so, well, I think that's you know that's that's a fitting end. Um, thank you again so much, Jackson. Um, and um, yeah, no. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. I think this is probably going to be one of the more civil endings to this podcast. And um, bye. <laughs>